Greetings, students. As always, this is Professor Totten, and welcome to the History of the American People since 1877. Today's lecture is entitled The Second World War, Part 1. Please follow along on the PowerPoint as I speak and turn to the first slide, The Fall of Poland. On September 1st, 1939, Germany invaded Poland. Two days later, on September 3rd, Great Britain and France declared war on Germany, which was the beginning of the European War. The Poles arguably never had a chance. Britain and France didn't even send troops to Poland. France made minor probes against Western Germany, but then quickly withdrew to their defenses. The Germans surrounded the Poles from East Prussia, Germany's west border, and then from occupied Czechoslovakia to the south. The German invasion force included over 1 million men, 1,500 mostly inferior tanks, 850 bombers, and 400 fighter planes. The Poles, who had been slow to mobilize their army, out of fear of provoking Germany, had only 600,000 men, 310 outdated tanks, and several regiments of cavalry. In several instances, surrounded Polish cavalry charged at German tanks with lances rather than surrender. The Soviets then invaded eastern Poland on September 17th, and Poland fell after one month of fighting. The world was completely unprepared for German blitzkrieg, meaning lightning war. This consisted of coordinated movements of tanks, motorized infantry, and planes providing close air support. These forces would smash through the enemy line like a spearhead in an attempt to cut off and envelop the enemy army. This is also called combined arms and maneuver warfare. You see, the experiences of the First World War had convinced most commanders that offensive attacks were suicide. This is evidenced by France's construction of the formidable Maginot Line along its border with Germany, which consisted of concrete and steel forts with large artillery pieces. The problem, though, is that this line did not extend past France's border with Belgium. This would prove disastrous. Please advance to the next slide, entitled Sitzkrieg. After Poland fell, there was no major fighting on the Western Front for eight months. Americans called this the Phony War, while Germans called it Sitzkrieg, meaning sitting war. The only major fighting that occurred took place during the winter of 1939 to 1940 in Finland. The Soviet Union had invaded Finland because they wanted, among other things, a larger buffer zone between their second biggest city, Leningrad, and the Finland frontier. The Soviet Union was horribly embarrassed, as Finnish ski troopers held off massive Soviet armies for almost four months, and one Finnish sniper famously took out between 505 and 542 Russians all by himself. During the conflict, temperatures fell to as low as negative 58 degrees Fahrenheit. Hitler was watching all of this and concluded that the Soviet army was weak. Meanwhile, British and French forces took up defensive positions in central Belgium and left southern Belgium and Luxembourg weakly defended. They assumed that the Germans would never attack through the dense Ardennes forest. This despite the fact that the French commander received a warning at the end of April indicating that the Germans were massing just opposite of the Ardennes. 
Please advance to the next slide entitled Invasion. On April 9th, 1940, Germany invaded Denmark, which only had an army of about 15,000 men. Denmark fell in a matter of hours. That same day, the Nazis invaded Norway in a combined land, sea, and air operation. The British and the French tried to defend Norway on the land and sea, but they were completely outthought, outmaneuvered, and outfought. Norway held out for about a month, but eventually surrendered on June 9th. By May 10th, Chamberlain resigned as the British Prime Minister, mainly because of protests about Britain's failures to defend Norway. The new Prime Minister was Winston Churchill, and his powerful speeches and no-holds-barred attitude would be instrumental in the years ahead. On the same day, Germany also invaded the Netherlands, Belgium, and Luxembourg simultaneously. The Dutch surrendered only within five days. The Belgians, 18. And facing little resistance, the Germans then smashed through the Ardennes forest in a mere two days' time. Please advance to the next slide entitled, The Fall of France. By May 20th, Allied forces in Belgium and northern France were trapped and were left essentially with three options. Surrender, fight to the end, or evacuate. They chose the third option and headed for Dunkirk on the coast. Please click on a clip on the PowerPoint from the movie Dunkirk. Okay, did you watch it? I absolutely adore that movie. From May 26th to June 4th, 338,000 Allied troops, including 224,000 British, escaped. The British left everything behind, including artillery, tanks, jeeps, and personal weapons. In addition, 20,000 horses were slaughtered rather than allow them to fall into enemy hands. This evacuation was not just merely a military effort. Every single ship on the British coast came to help, including private yachts, fishing vessels, boats and dinghies, anything that would float. It was truly England's finest hour. What is usually forgotten about this evacuation is that 100,000 French troops were left behind in order to fight a rearguard action, allowing the rest of the Allies to escape. They will get forgotten, but without them, disaster would have ensued. Now, despite this evacuation, most British troops did not re-enlist because their morale was completely destroyed, which is why D-Day occurs in 1944 instead of 1943, as the British army needed to be completely rebuilt. This was by no means an Allied victory, but it could have been much worse. And this is also huge for British culture after the war, where stiff upper lip and whatnot becomes a favorite phrase. By June 1940, the Germans invaded northern France and quickly overwhelmed the thin Allied defense. Paris then fell on June 14th, so France surrendered a mere 35 days after the war had commenced, and Germany occupied two-thirds of the country. Imagine that. In four years' time, the Germans could not even reach Paris. But now in the Second World War, it was only 35 days. Rubbing salt on the wound, Hitler demanded that the surrender ceremony take place in the same railroad car and in the same location where the armistice had been signed in 1918. 
Now we have to ask ourselves, why did France fall so quickly? This is not merely because the Germans had superior armor, or weapons, or troop numbers. The real reason is because Allied forces suffered from poor coordination and planning, and also the Germans only had to fight a one-front war. With France pretty much conquered, Hitler now turned his eyes to an invasion of the British Isles. Please advance to the next slide entitled, The Battle for Britain. Britain is now all by herself in the conflict. And Churchill said, The battle of France is over. I expect that the battle of Britain is about to begin. Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Upon it depends on our own British life and the long continuity of our institutions and our empire. The whole fury and might of the enemy must very soon be turned on us. Hitler knows he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe may be free, and the life of the world may move forward into a broad, sunlit upland. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age, made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties, so we bear ourselves that, if the British Empire and its commonwealth last for another thousand years, men will say this was their finest hour. End quote. Churchill and his people knew that since Great Britain was an island, any German invasion would have to be amphibious and the German Navy wasn't sufficient enough to transport German troops across the English Channel while fighting the superior British Navy. So the Germans decided to bomb Great Britain into submission from the air. From July to August 1940, German air attacks on British targets commenced, inaugurating the Battle of Britain. British defenses were armed with new invention, radar, which allowed them to see the enemy coming from miles away. The British had established 21 radar stations on Britain's southern and eastern coasts, and they also stationed an observer corps of aircraft spotters, including many women, who took part along the coast. Britain was defended by its vaunted RAF, who had been built up over its four-year plan. Please click on the clip from the movie Dunkirk on the PowerPoint. Okay, so have you watched it? Well, the point is that early on, German bombers focused their air attacks on British airfields and military installations. But on August 23rd, the Blitz began, when the Germans started bombing London. The goal was to lure more RAF fighters over the city where they could be easily destroyed, thus weakening British civilian morale and punishing the British for recent RAF raids on Berlin. Yet British civilian morale stiffened, the RAF fought brilliantly, and Britain did not surrender. The Blitz was the worst bombing of civilian targets experienced up to that point in history. And this is a brand new form of warfare. And as was so often in World War II, the Allies would not only mimic it, but master it, leading to the destruction of many German cities. By the end of the war, the Allies would kill more German civilians than the Germans killed of Allied civilians. But at this point, Germany is pioneering this tactic. 42,000 British were killed in the Blitz, with another 50,000 injured, though some estimate that this could be as high as over 130,000 wounded. 
But this does not tell the whole story. Because in the process of the Blitz, one million homes were destroyed in London alone, creating a new wave of homelessness. This will affect war production and is actually more effective than bombing factories. This will have huge consequences for the future of Great Britain. Hence why Great Britain pioneers public housing from the 1940s onward. And just so we can put a finer point on the long-lasting nature of this destruction, can anyone guess when the last building in London that was damaged during the Blitz was finally repaired? 1986. And can anyone tell me when the UK finally repaid its war debt from the Second World War? December 31st, 2006. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the long arm of history and how we explain socialized medicine and public housing in much of Europe as a result. As a result of the Battle of Britain, the United Kingdom lost over 800 planes, while the Germans lost about 1,400. Now, the lives lost were slightly less, with about 544 British airmen dying, which is remarkably small compared to the First World War. But the Battle of Britain, alongside Dunkirk, epitomizes the British war effort in World War II, as this was again their finest hour. I want to show you the immense power of what a group of people can do when they come together and sacrifice for the common defense. In total, the 2,353 radio operators and various crew of the RAF combined with the 574 pilots meant that 2,927 individuals literally saved Western civilization from the Nazis. And that is a very powerful illustration of how people can change the world if they're willing to sacrifice. Now, technically, the Germans continued to bomb Britain over the next eight months, going until September 17, 1940, when finally Hitler called off the invasion of Great Britain and turned his attention to a greater prize, the Soviet Union. Please turn to the next slide entitled Operation Barbarossa. Over the next several months, fighting ensued in North Africa, East Africa, the Middle East, and the Balkans. However, Hitler considered these regions to be sideshows compared to his planned invasion of the Soviet Union. Remember, Hitler wanted Lebensraum, particularly in the East, and he believed the Slavs of the USSR were weak, especially after their debacle in Finland. Hitler said, quote, You only have to kick in the Soviet door, and the whole rotten structure will come crashing down. End quote. However, Hitler underestimated that the Soviets were tough, and that the USSR was massive. Furthermore, he did not realize that ice-cold Russian winters meant that the Germans would have to complete their conquest between May and October. The Eastern Front, as we will see, includes some of the most brutal fighting of the European War, and this is really where the European War was decided. Perhaps 25 million Russians died in the Second World War, and Hitler's decision to invade the Soviet Union was his greatest mistake of the conflict. The three-pronged German invasion of the USSR began on June 22, 1941. Soviet military was completely caught off guard, this despite the fact that communist spies and the British had warned Stalin of the impending German attack. The northern German army headed towards Leningrad, where one million Leningraders 
worked to construct crude defenses of barbed wire, earthen walls, and tank traps. In September, the Germans laid siege to the city, which would not be broken until January 1944, making it the single largest siege in history. Leningraders ran out of food and ate cats, dogs, rats, wallpaper glue, and finally corpses. In the end, perhaps one million Leningraders starved to death, and the butcher bill for both sides reached 3.4 million casualties, thus making it one of the deadliest sieges in history. Please advance to the next slide entitled Barbarossa. While Army Group North battled around Leningrad, Army Group Center headed towards Moscow, and en route, the rapid German blitzkrieg led to the encirclement and capture of hundreds of thousands of Soviet prisoners. As the Germans rolled eastward, millions of Soviet workers were ordered to dismantle 1,500 industries, put them on trains, and move them to safe ground further to the east. Like Leningrad, hundreds of thousands of civilians built defenses around Moscow, and Stalin rallied his people with stirring speeches about defending Holy Mother Russia, not the Communist Soviet Union. The man responsible for saving Moscow was Marshal Georgi Zhukov, who would rise to become the single greatest general of the Second World War. Soviet troops that had been stationed out in East Asia were moved west to the Moscow front after spies had told them that the Japanese were not going to attack the Soviet Union. By November, the German offensive had ground to a halt about 40 miles from Moscow. German transports got stuck in the mud and temperatures eventually dropped as low as negative 76 degrees. German vehicles lacked proper antifreeze. Butter had to be cut with a saw, and horse meat cut with an axe. Dysentery was widespread, and more Germans died of frostbite than Soviet fire. Zhukov and the Soviets finally counterattacked in early December, and this was an important turning point in the Second World War, as German forces were sent reeling. Moscow was thus safe, and the Germans turned their sights towards southern Russia. German Army Group South headed through the grain-rich Ukrainian region toward the Caucasus oil fields. The plan proposed by Hitler included the capture of Stalingrad, which the Germans reached in August 1942. The Soviet general, in charge of defending the city, told his superiors, quote, We shall either hold the city or die there. Stalingrad really was not a vital objective, but Stalin and Hitler became obsessed with what was happening because of the city's name, and much of the city was reduced to rubble. By November 1942, the Soviet Union counterattacked and surrounded the Germans in the city. Hitler's men were desperate to escape, but he refused their request to surrender, though his general did so anyway in February 1943. As a result of the battle, the Germans lost over 200,000 troops in Stalingrad, including 90,000 prisoners, many of whom were taken to Soviet prisons and died there. This was the single most important turning point of the war, illustrating that the Eastern Front was critical to the destruction of the Nazis. That is all I have for you for now. Please listen to part two of the Second World War. I hope you are all staying safe and making smart decisions. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day. I'll see you next time.